Whatever motherfuckers, it's your host with the most, being Katie. You're tuning into Jam Planet Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. And today we're going to be reviewing Feral March Desire. With me are my lovely co-host, Westside Jordan. What's up? Without further ado, let's get into some Feral March history. So Feral March is a rapper from South, South Jamaica, Queens, New York. And he got his name from the monkey doll, Machichi, after he received a bad haircut which made him look like a chimpanzee. And that's when like girls in his um, high school art and design class became, began calling him Monchichi, which was later shortened the Monch. And then he, desi- he um, adopted the, the feral prefix after meeting um, Prince Paul of, no, Prince Paul of um, Organized Confusion, the future Organized Confusion group. And he got to start as a beatboxer. And then Prince Paul saw his talent as a rapper. And that's when he formed the group uh, called Simply Too Positive. MCs and producer, they caught the eye of producer Paul C. During like the eight, late 80s. And they signed a record deal to Solid Sound Records. And they dropped two singles. So they dropped uh, Memories of Love, Southside, In Effect in 1987. I've, I still need to listen to them. And Def Jam considered signing them. So that was under um, Russell, Russell Simmons. He wanted them to change the name because he thought it was a whack-ass name, simply too positive. And they changed their name to uh, Organized Confusion. Unfortunately, Paul C. was murdered in 1989 and they were turned down by Russell Simmons. I heard that they turned him down because they weren't like mainstream. He thought they were like too, I guess, too ahead of the time. They were too abstract in a way. That's what I heard. So. That just shows you like the mind, like they're more concerned about money than they are about talent. So that's a goddamn shame. So they signed to Hollywood Basic, which was a Disney, a Disney label, believe it or not. I'm not sure if it exists or not. And they dropped their self-titled album back in 1991. And later they dropped their 1994 classic album, Extinction Agenda. And they dropped their last album, Equinox, back in 1997. And they broke due to like solo careers and all that. So they broke up on good terms because a lot of groups, they break up due to like one member always outshines the other money problems or like just inner conflict, but they broke up in good terms. So they had like a reunion, like a thing like 2007 or something like that. And they released, and he released a solo critically acclaimed album, Eternal Affairs, which came out in 1999. And that's another classic album. And this spawned uh, hit singles such as Simon Says, which contained the Godzilla sample, and he was sued from. Um, he was sued by the. I, I want to say the people that made the Godzilla beat, and so that caused the album to go out of print, off shelves. And it actually came back into print last year around October, so that marked its like twentieth uh, anniversary, and he re-released it, which is pretty dope. It's on streaming services now. And then in two thousand, he featured. He's featured with Mo's Def Nate Dog on the hit song Oh No from the Rockets Records Complimation, which was Lyricist Lounge 2. And he contributed a song called Fuck You. It was on the Training Day soundtrack in 2001. Training, Training Day is a really good movie. You guys, I recommend you guys watch that. Have you seen that before, Westside? Uh, fortunately, I have not watched it. I really want to watch it, though. It sounds really good. Yeah. Sadly, I watched the edited version, so... It was on BET. <laughs> so I have to go back and watch the uncensored version, I guess you can call it. 
And then in 2003, Pharrell Monch released his final single on Ruckus Records, uh, Agent Orange, which is a war-inspired song, which is similar to releasing Hypnotical Gases that was on the 1991 Organized Confusion self-titled album. And there, there were like rumors of him releasing a, a next album that was called Intervisions. And, and it was gonna be released under Danim, I think his name is Dunam Quarters, new Shady Records imprint on Ruining Avenue, but they reached out to Stevie Wonder and were at the beginning process of recording the album, but apparently the deal fell flat. So Mantras later announced a deal with Street Records Corporation, home of the Wu-Tang Clan, and David Banner and Terror Squad. And on, on December 19, 2006, Pharrell Monch released his first and only official mixtape, The Awakening, which was hosted by Clinton Sparks and DJ Boogie Brown. And after like a short like thing at um, Defren Records, he went to like a bidding, there was like a number of bidding wars during that time. So it included Minim Shady Records, Danoon Porter's Ronin Avenue Records, Bad Boy Records, and Sony Records. So yeah, Bad Boy Records is like home to Puff Daddy and stuff. I'm so glad he didn't get on Puff Daddy. <laughs> I fucking despise that dude. And I'm glad he didn't go on Eminem because a lot of like Eminem's artists, they don't really, I don't, I'm not trying to shit on them, but a lot of them, like they only make like one good album. He doesn't really know how to market that well. Like a lot of like these new artists that he has, they like fall flat. Like everyone just always goes towards Eminem. So I'm glad he didn't do that. So in early 2006, he announced that he signed a deal with Steve Ricken, who was uh, he's part of, uh, I think he was CEO for Loud Records. So that was under, um, Mob Deep was on there, an exhibit and a couple other artists. And Steve Ricken's uh, Street Records Corporation, and he released his second album on June 2007. And the album was called Desire. So the producers on the album were Lee Stone, The Alchemist, Dunoon Porter, which is funny that he almost got signed to Dunoon Porter's uh, record company. That's so funny. And then Black Milk, Grind Music, Bo McKenzie. And we got guest appearances on the album are Showtime, Mali Maxento, I think it is, Tower Power, which is like a 70s, 80s funk group, Mr. Porter, Erica Badu, Dwell, and Tune, Tone, Dree Zero. These people have weird ass names. I can't even pronounce. <laughs> I'm just butchering it. <laughs> and then the singles good. on the yeah, like the I don't even know how to pronounce these names, so I'm just kind of like winging it right now. So people are probably gonna correct me on pronunciation. <laughs> so the singles on the album are "Push," "Let's Go," "Body Baby," and "Desire." So let's get into the track list. So number one is called the intro. And that is a choir singing about freedom, which transitions to the next track. So I don't really have anything to say on that track. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I would like, you know, it's like you said, it's a choir. Um, I would say that the choir sounds very beautiful. Um, I would have liked to have heard them kind of on a, on like a track or something as like uh, like background vocals or something on a real track. Um, so I would have liked to heard a little bit more of that. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts. And it's a very short intro. It's like 33 seconds. So yeah, it's really not too much 
information is kind of said in it. It's just, it's very short. Um, and I would have liked to have heard those vocals somewhere else. It's, I think it's like the only like uh, skit sounding thing, that, like not skit, but like it's only, it's the only thing that's like only, it's like the only like short track on this um, whole album. Yeah, so luckily it's not like Outcast, but it only has like one <laughs> intro and that's it, man. There's no skit, so you just get straight to the point. I mean, actually, I take that back. There's one skit, but we'll get to, to that later. But it's in, it's like integrated into the song. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, you know how I feel about skit, skippable, but at least it's short, so I can't complain too much. So we get to track number two, which is the first the first song on this track and this is uh, produced by Dave Bo McKenzie I don't know who that is so yeah and this is a dope way to start off the album I really like this uh, guitar heavy beat I like how it draws comparisons between the record labels and slavery and he's just talking about how record labels are basically slave owners and exploit rappers and Pharrell Monch is just saying he's free from all of that and nobody's like going to control. I think this is a dope song and I have some quotables. Yeah, your A&R is a house nigga. The labels, the plantation, now switch that advance for your emancipation. MCs in the field like pick cotton for real. I pop blocks like Beach Street and with a notch and I kill, no, and a kill. They take the strongest of slaves to compete in the track meet for the king of the city sang songs of the back streets Courses of cocaine tales, black heat, only to trade niggas like professional athletes. So I just thought that was a fucking witty line that he just said. So far, I love this album. I like this song. So for me, I think that this is a very good beat, um, very cinematic with the guitars um, in the, integrated into the beat. Uh, very good lyricism. Um, just you know, very strong lyrics. And uh, like you said, I think there's a lot of quotables in this song. Um, however, I think like the only problem that the song has is that I think the beat volume should be turned down a little bit. And then uh, Fairmont's voice should be, the volume should be turned up a little bit on his voice. Sometimes you kind of, you lose his voice in the beat sometimes. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on free. Interesting criticism. I never listened to it. I never noticed it. So I'm glad that you picked it out. So we get to track number three, Desire featuring Showtime. I think Mela Makshinto, and this is produced by Alchemist. And he's just talking about his desire to keep on making music and moving forward and persevere through labor, label politics. And I'd love this soulful beat and another dope song. I got some quotables. So who am I? I'm the poetical pastor slave to the label, but I own, I own my masters. My book is the ovary, the pages I lust to turn. My pen is the penis. When I write the inks, the sperm, desire, desire, the fire that ignites the torch to burn. This is not rocket science. This is easy to learn. This is a moment of truth for my opponents and liars. Vocals alone invoke the motion of black choirs. <laughs> Fire, you don't want to get burned like Richard Pryor. Oh my gosh, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, I noticed the I noticed the pen is the sperm. Uh, that that <laughs> line, I noticed that one pretty when I said that. <laughs> like, 
I know that one pretty quickly. <laughs> dude, this dude's just, dude, this dude's like intellectual and he's witty at the same time. That's what it, yeah. Excuse me. I love about him, man. He's just so witty, dude. He said, you, you don't want to get burned like Richard Pryor, man. Jesus Christ, man. Because <laughs> like Richard Pryor was on cocaine and I think he lit himself on fire. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Yeah, he's like in his bathtub or something like that. He's like freebasing with cocaine. But yeah, that's another dope song. I think this might be my top five. I'm not sure. But yeah. So when I listened to this song, when I first heard the beat, I felt like it was like, I feel like Jay-Z could have been on this track very yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the hook sample is like amazing. Um, and like, yeah, the that, oh, beat, oh, oh. Yeah. And like the beat is like perfectly mixed. Um, uh, but I would still say that I would have liked to have heard Faramonch's, uh, whenever he, his verses, I would have liked to have heard his verses a little bit louder. Um, yeah. Once again, it did get lost a little bit in the beat a little bit, but um, not as bad as the first track when it comes to that. Um, overall, Desire was a very strong track. Um, and like I said, when I first heard it, I was like, man, this sounds like, jay-z could could hop on this song really easily uh, yeah. and just sound just fine like if this i wouldn't be surprised if this beat was made specifically for jay-z at first if someone told me that so um and i i, I really like this song um and I, I guess i have a question did you like, who is showtime because i don't think is he was he was he was he singing in this track yeah, or was he Showtime. It looks like he's a rapper. Because I don't know. I, I don't How know. Do maybe he sounds Showtime. a little. Yeah, I don't think I heard Showtime on this, but maybe he produced said, a little bit. Yeah, that's no Alchemist produced. I don't know what's up with Showtime though. <coughs> Cause I didn't. I didn't hear any Showtime rapping. It says he's a rapper. That's weird. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who that dude. I don't know any of these people, man. The only person I know is like Tower Power. That's pretty much it when it comes to um rappers and features and stuff. But yeah, I like that OO sample. That was from a mm-hmm. that was an MOP sample. We we gotta do a review on MOP, man. We might do that next season. I don't know. Because MOP is like one of my favorite rappers and like my top 50. I could have seen MLP on the speed. That's something they would like too. Just like the energy too. But yeah, this is a dope song. So far, the songs are going super strong right now. <clears throat> so we get to track number four, which is Push, featuring Showtime, Tower of Power, and Mela Mashento Mush- or something like that. This is self-produced by Pharrell Monch. In this song, he's he's talking about pushing through life and enduring through the problems life throws at him. Usually, I'm not I'm not a big fan of like tracks mostly composed of singing, but I really dig the singing on the song. I think it's very top notch. It kind of has like this warm, soulful vibe to it, which I really dig. The Pharaoh's Monch's verse is short, which actually doesn't bother me at all. I think this is another dope song on here. 
Yeah, this song is super good. Um, yeah. The vocals are like, they're amazing in my opinion. Um, once again, like the rap verse is kind of quiet, but for some reason in this track, it kind of works with the beat because the beat is um, very like cinematic. Yeah, grandiose. Um, and like, uh, but like for me, what really like blew me away were, were the vocals on this track. The track are just, the vocals on track are just so strong. And, um, you know, you could, Fairmont is kind of a guy that can, he's where he can rap, but he can also sing a little bit too, which I think yeah. is pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, very, very, I've, I found this to be a very strong song and very beautiful to listen to. Um, and it was definitely one of my favorite songs on this on the album. So, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on Push. Yeah, I, yeah, I really like this song too. It's very like heartwarming too. It's very warm. It has like that Sunday morning vibe to it. Sunday morning church service. <laughs> <laughs> I really dig this song. Another banger. So we get to track number five, which is Welcome to the Terradome, produced by Sean C and LV. Not Sean C, the um the YouTuber album That's not him. No. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. I don't know. You never know. Exactly. Man. So yeah, this is a version of Welcome to the Terradome from uh, Public Enemy, Fear of the Black Planet album, which is a classic album. It's not my favorite Public Enemy. That has to go to It Takes a Nation, but that's besides the point right there. <laughs> but um, so he made this song because he's really a big fan of Public Enemy and he took in and he was inspired by that song. And it's still a relevant song too, even though this album came out in 2007. Welcome to the Terradome came back 17, no, it came out in 1990. So that would be 1990 minus 2000, yeah, 17 years ago and it's still relevant. It kind of has like it's very it's a political heavy song and it's like an anti-establishment song so the song begins with dialogue i don't know who, who's talking what's about a dude saying that how people are spending billions of dollars on the iraq war for control of oil and like three thousand soldiers died and hundreds and thousands of iraq citizens got killed and yeah he's talking about sean bell me i'm Amadou Dialo and Timothy Stansbury, who were killed by like the police and stuff. So like I said, there's like a lot of politically heavy songs on here. This is like the first start of it, in my opinion. And I think this is a dope, I think this is a cool song, but you know, I gotta prefer the original Welcome to the Terradome. There's still dope ass lyrics like scheme like the Klan, I plan like Bin Laden, United States, Government is just a facade. The Catholic Church got ties with the mob. I see it all like the Wizard of Oz. Now that there is a yellow brick road, the fame, riches, and cars. If you only had a brain, you would know who you who you are. Poison your ventilation, cut your education, ticket information, world domination. I take our reservate over reservations, trigger the energies in the oceans for tsunamis to control the population. Eyes in the sky. Hidden observation, if you're over 65, they'll take away your medication. So, so yeah, he's talking about like George Bush and stuff in the Iraq war. So I was, I was too young to remember this shit, but I just read about it in history. And like throughout the whole album, he takes shots at like George Bush a lot. So yeah, I think this is a dope song though. 
So when I listen to this song, he sounds very much sounds exactly like maybe not exactly, but sounds a lot like Chuck, Chuck T. T. Yeah, 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 like dude, he sounds just like him. Um, Especially the first verse. Yeah, like he sounds part. like 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 very much so like Chuck D. Like almost to the point where like if you know if you're not paying a hundred percent attention, you're definitely gonna think it's Chuck D. rapping on this track. Um, and uh, I would definitely have to agree that the original version is better. Um, my problem with this is that, like, I don't know what it was in the background. I don't know if it was, like, a guitar or, like, a voice in the background that sounded yeah. like I was singing. I couldn't tell. Uh, I found that was just really annoying um, throughout the track. I just because it never went away until the, the, the hook. Um, so that, that was like my main complaint about this track is that that sound in the background was just so annoying. Uh, Could have really done without it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would have to agree that overall, like other than that, like background sound, which kind of distracted me from the rest of the song, which I guess is not a good thing. But I, I think overall it was a good track uh, other than that. Yeah, like when I first listened to this album, this is my second time listening to it. When I first listened, I wasn't a big fan of the song, but it had to like kind of grow on me, you know, just one of those songs. Mm. But yeah, I got yeah. I got used to it and I, I just like it now, you know, it's not in my top five, but I think it's a dope song. So we get to track number six, What It Is, produced by Pharrell Monch and Lee Stone. And this is a dark sounding track with a haunting beat. And Pharrell Monch just has great lines. This is like him at his lyrical peak right here. I just love his references that he makes. He, like, he makes references to Star Wars and The Matrix. So I'm a nerd, so I love that shit, what he does. Man. <laughs> but this song, yeah, this song is reminiscent to something you'd hear on Internal Affairs. So this is definitely gonna be in my top five. I think this is a great song. I got some favorite lyrics. Raps like Star Wars, only the stars die. It's no sequels, beat three cases, see three POs. Before Morpheus and Neo was killing them. Keep snoring, keep sleeping, I'll keep touring. Come back, I lay in the cut like Neo Sporin. Came out of the fallopian blasting. Pharaoh hungrier than Ethiopians fasting. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Flies all in my teeth, stomach sticking out. Megas want dibs on the weed but ain't kicking out see this is not american idol this is this is me trying to eat human survival spit at your favorite rapper take his title stick needles in his eyeballs till his signs are no longer violent jesus christ man he's just going to end in this shit man god damn man i love this song man another strong track on here so I'll have to, I definitely have to agree that the lyricism on this track is really strong, uh, just unbelievable. Um, but for me, I guess like one, I guess I do have a, like overall, it's not my favorite track just because I feel like his flow wasn't matching the sound of the beat very well. I would have, if I would have liked to have heard him maybe rap a little bit faster. Uh, his flow was really definitely uh different kind of flow is not it's not your average flow at all yeah. um so yeah overall like this song like 
I, like you can definitely tell that the lyricism is super strong um and that you know that obviously you know he really used his pen to create a masterpiece with the song but it's more so just like personal taste for me that it's not one of my favorite songs but i have to acknowledge that i could see why someone would find this a good song yeah it's just a very simplistic dark and grimy beat yeah it's like the stuff i really like like i like the soulful elements but i'm like the i'm a backpacker so i like the like more grimy boom bap beats that really pleased my ears to hear that shit, you know. <laughs> so we get to track number seven, When the Guns Draws. And this is produced by, I think it's D-Nant, Do-Nant, I don't know, Do-Nant featuring Do-Nant. This is Pharaoh rapping from the perspective of a bullet, talking about different people it's killed from JFK to Biggie and Pac. This is another political song. It's talking about how people with guns are the problem. I think this is another dope song. I got some favorite lyrics. Uh, Good evening. My name's Mr. Bullet. I respond to the index when you pull it. The trigger, so make a note. Take a vote. Quick man. Make a name. Quaker Oats. Because whether domestic violence or coke steals. See, I lust to change brain matter to oatmeal. And when I kill kids, they say shame on me. Who the fuck told you you put the names on me? White man made me venom to eliminate, especially when I'm in the hood. I never discriminate, just them. Then I renovate flesh bone, ain't nothing for me to penetrate. My attitude is cold and callous. Killed kings in Tennessee, presidents in Dallas. And if the past we be known, at last we know what happened that afternoon on the grassy knoll. It's what made a one. Widow of Jackie O. The government hired Lee Harvey to blast me, though. Fatality shot entered from the right temple, was not fired from a six story window. So, yeah, those are my, my feelings and my thoughts on the song. Uh, this song is like really good. Um, it's got a really like creepy sound to it, but it's just, it's such a good song. Um, and the the lyricism and the story, like pretty much everything on this song is like top-notch stuff. Yeah, like this is high quality uh, rap. Like this is pretty much like when rap is almost at its finest. Like this is pure rap in my opinion. Um, and I mean, the, the story that he tells and like you said, it's from the, it's from the perspective of a bullet. Um, and he just, he comes in firing with just great line after great line about it. Uh, coming from this perspective um, and you know that the whole song is just I think there's like a million quotables throughout this whole song like just like every every it felt like every line was just super well thought out um, and uh, just just ready to go um, yeah really strong song um, it was definitely one of my favorites on the whole album uh, just just an amazing display of lyricism, in my opinion. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I agree, man. This is definitely my top five. I think this is like, I love the concepts that Pharaoh Mach has, man. This is actually the second time he made a bullet song because there is a song on stress, extinction level event. No, I, fuck, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I mixed that up with the Buster Rhymes time. Uh, this is stress, 
the extinction agenda. There you go. There's a song called A Straight Bullet, which I put in my top five storytelling song. That's like how it continues, like the kind of the theme of like gun violence and stuff and just the bullet. It never gets old for me. I just like the different ways he kind of tells different stories on bullets. This is another strong song, like Westside said. So I have to agree with you. This is definitely my top five. <clears throat> so we get to track number eight, Let's Go, produced by Black Milk, featuring Mila Mashenko. And this is an upbeat tempo song. It's another dope song. And there's a skit at the end of like a person flipping through the TV radio channels. I didn't really care for the skit. And I do have favorite lyrics. My rhymes pop like them nines. They claim they tote, but they rap lackluster to shine. My, my shit's bust like bust the rhyme sniffy lines and coke. <laughs> Y'all MCs can't see me like Matt Murdock. Jesus Christ. They research my stem cells, clone 10 of me, send one of them back in time just to get rid of me. Stop fear on launch from having verbal epiphanies. Now that's new definition to your own worst enemy. Jesus Christ, man. God damn, dude. Feral's so fucking genius, man. I love this song too. Well, yeah, one thing I will definitely have to credit this song with is that this is definitely a song where like the lyrics and the, the vocals were very well mixed. Um, no, neither one was dominating of the other. It was very well uh, mixed at that and uh, at a very cinematic beat. Um, however, I did find the ending really ran the ending uh, skit kind of random. It's because like he's flipping yeah. through channels and it's just like all sorts of random sounds going on. Um, I'm just not sure what the point was because it didn't really transition into the next song at all. It was just kind of random. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he did that. Yeah. So and for me that took away a little bit from the song just because the skit is actually kind of long i think it's like a minute yeah um, especially for the end of a song like so that definitely took some points down for this song but other take away the skit i would definitely say it's a very good song exactly <coughs> excuse me so we get to track nine body baby produced by feral launch and I think uh, Feral Monch is talking about giving up his body to woman. I think this is a solid song. Definitely one of the weakest songs on here so far, but I still like this song. And he's actually singing on here too. So yeah, I would have to agree. This song's not my favorite either. Um, like, I, like once again, we're kind of like the mixing is kind of an issue. Um, like the vocals are kind of quiet. Um, the like the song is okay um but i would have to agree with bnkd that it's just it's not it's not the strongest song um but the music video for this song is actually really good um so at least it has that i think i think it's probably out of all the music videos it's probably yeah it's probably my favorite music video from this album um but yeah, overall, I like, you know, on this album, there's definitely better songs than this one. Agreed. So we get to Bar Tap, produced by Black Milk, featuring Mila Mashenko. This is a love song about 
Feral Monch getting it out of Chick out of Bar. And I think this is a solid song. This is definitely one of uh, Black Milk's weaker produced songs on here. So for me, like, Feral Monch's flow is not my favorite, but I feel like Mila um, really killed it. Uh, her vocals are amazing on this track. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel, for me, I feel like Mila kind of stole the show on this song. Um, so, which uh, as an artist, you don't ever want the the feature to take away from you, but she definitely killed it and she definitely made the song for me. So yeah, once again, probably one of the weaker songs on the album, but I stuck around for Mila pretty much. Yeah, cause uh, yeah, I have to agree with you too that yeah, Mila kind of had like the I can see Feral, the Feral Monch thing where he's doing that er thing that kind of became annoying after a while. Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, this was the song that he did that shit. In. Yeah, wasn't really a fan of that. I think his lyricism was strong, but you know, I feel like is I could be wrong. This is more garnered towards the radio. I could be wrong, though. I don't know. But it kind of has like a radio sound to it, you know. And I don't think I this would... is really it's lame too, like doing love songs and stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, you I would definitely have to yeah, I would have to agree that yeah, I would say that there's not really any track on this song where his lyricism is bad. His lyricism is always good. Um yeah, that was pretty much what I was gonna say. Yeah, he's trying to go down a biggie route or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only so certain rappers can can do pull off love songs, you know. I feel like Phil Mosh's lane is like more like political rhyme, political raps, um, just like rapidy raps, like bars for bars and all that stuff. I don't really think he's mastered love songs all that well. You know, different lanes for different rappers, you know. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Love songs are not not really his lane. I would yeah, I would have to agree with that. Um yeah. Uh yeah, like love songs overall on this album. Some of them are were went okay, but yeah, overall I like the other tracks better. Yeah, they're kind of the weaker element to the album, in my opinion. Yeah. And you know, you can't be good at everything, so <laughs> nope, no. So we transition to another, I think you can call it a love song, but this song is uh, track 11, Hold On, produced by Lee Stone, featuring Erica Badu. And this is just Pharaoh Monch talking about the beauty of a Black woman and also the violence against women. I think this is another dope song. You know. So like for the love songs, this is probably the best one. Um, you know, I think the message is really good. Um, very strong messaging in this song. Um, and I think like it does have a little skit at the very beginning that I think is I think is probably definitely the best skit ish. Like it kind of like it's probably the best skit throughout the whole album. Um, because it really connects with the song and definitely uh, you know uh, adds to the message of this whole song. Um and the Erica Badu definitely does her thing on this album and does a really good on this song and does a really good job. Um, you know, 
just kind of creating creating a really good vibe for the song and uh you know just really creating uh really making the song like a pure piece of art um so yeah that, that's my thoughts you know i think this is like i'm not the biggest erica badu fan i don't listen to it religiously or anything but i do think when it comes to introspective songs on like women like black women i think she excels at that but this is a this is a second episode in a row where we have Erica Badu as a feature. Yeah, yeah she was on <laughs> Humble Mumble. Yeah, I think that's funny too. I didn't. I totally forgot she was on this album. <laughs> Once again, it's been a year since I listened to it. And I'd probably say Erica Badu is probably the biggest feature on this album too. Yeah, the biggest name. Yeah, for sure. Like mainstream wise and popularity wise. There's nothing I don't have problems with, you know. I just don't listen yeah. to it like that. And I also forgot to mention my favorite lyrics on the song. Uh, he says, he pushed down and called her black and ugly. She said, why must you tease me? He laughed at her, said, you're from Africa. Your hair is peasy. Your skin is dark and greasy. And plus, you are so beneath me. Please trust me. I wasn't easy for Diamond. It scared her deeply. She knows now that her complexion is a holy device. The protection from UV rays in this negative time of crisis, like a knife through butter slices, easy easily to anger. She reacts pious, like a cell phone protecting itself from a virus. Twist twice is a month strong, is her demeanor. Now she is righteous. God is what you see now when you peer inside her eyelids. So I just thought that was really deep. No, it, God is what you see now when you, yeah. This kind of reminds me of the Complexion song from um, from the, the Two Pimp a Butterfly album on uh, Good Kid, Matt City. That's what it kind of reminds me of. I can see that. I can definitely yeah. see that. Just because the subject matter is talking about like yeah. black, and, black is be beautiful and all that. Just the beauty of being black. So that that's what kind of reminds me of, you know. And we get to I track number two. That. Yeah, I, I just see like comparisons between them. I think Feral Monch did that before Kendrick. I'm not sure if Kendrick got inspiration or he just, it just happens to be like the same idea, even though he wasn't really influenced by him. You know, I don't know. So we get to track number 12, which is so good. This is a sex track on here. It's talking about Feral wanting his girl to give, give him everything to him. I thought this was all right. I could have done without it. It comes off a little corny for me, in my opinion. Especially that chorus, too. Like some LL Cool J type shit. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, this definitely reminded me of uh, last week's kind of sexual song. No, I like the last episode we did. Oh, man, I forgot what it was called. But I think I'll you remember. I don't think you like some shit. No, it was another one. It was it was with Erica Badu and uh, Andre 3000. Nope, um, that, that was Humble Mumble. That wasn't a sex chat. There's another, there's two, I believe Erica Badu's on two track. On, she is? Yeah. But besides the point, um, this is a very sensual song again. Um, and like in the song, I can see why this is definitely not someone's favorite song at all. Yeah. Um, and, but like, you know, when you listen to it and you really listen to it, I'd probably say you can really hear, uh, Fairmont and the 
female singer on this track really, I don't know, I guess you could say, I feel like they're definitely sharing a moment together, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see why this is not someone's favorite song, just because not everybody goes for the sensual sound. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my thoughts wrapped up on that. Oh, you're talking about um, Stank Coney and Stank Love, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. No, Erica Badu wasn't on there. It was just a Sleepy Brown and Big Rube. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd rather listen to this shit than Stank Love, though. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> All jokes aside, so we get to track number 13, which is a trilogy produced by Pharrell Monch, featuring Mr. Porter, Dwell, and Tone. So I think this is a very interesting song because apparently on Genius and Wikipedia, yes, I use Wikipedia and Genius to write these album reviews just to give you facts and stuff. I know it's kind of cheating, but it is what it is, man. I'll be stuck if I didn't have that shit, man. So, <laughs> so yeah, this song is divided into three acts, actually. So let me list them. So there, yeah, three acts. And this is a very interesting story. I mean, the revenge, the, the someone cheating on you has been like done numerous times before, but it's very interesting how um, Phil does it. He kind of tells like a story, I guess you can say backwards, which I find like really interesting. So yeah, the three acts on the song. So the first, the first act is the first, the first act is the cops is coming, featuring Mr. Porter. So I had to actually look it up on YouTube to kind of explain it because I kind of got confused with the whole story. So technically, this is told backwards, but there's like a twist to it. So the first act from what I got was it was um, Ferromanch is coming home when he found his wife is dead and a naked man is on his lawn. He acts like he's having like a flashback story about like making up an alibi to give to the police. And that's the first act. And the second act is called Revenge featuring Dwell. And this is about uh, showing like what actually happened. So apparently he tied up the man who's cheating on him with his wife and he interrogates him. And then the third act is called Evil Eyes featuring Tony Tone. So the third act is basically explaining that his wife and lover were plotting to steal his money. And he now reviews that his wife threatened his, no reveals that he threatened his wife's lover to sneak into her house and kill her. This directly ties into the first verse, revealing that he organized the entire thing. And then the police then murdered the cheating man, which is why he said, plus there's a naked man on my lawn. So I think this is a dope original song, like a dope concept wise, because I never seen anyone do like three act structure before. And like, there's a lot of beat changes. So I think this is a dope way to end out the official album though but there's two bonus tracks we'll get to that later i want to hear uh west side's thoughts on the song so pretty much on all in all three acts um the lyricism never falters it's always really good um and great storytelling throughout the whole thing um and then i pretty much i kind of put each of the acts into different as i pretty much i treat them each as like different songs yeah. Um, so for me, like I liked 
if I had to rank the acts, I'd probably say Act Two is yeah. the best. Act One's the second best, and Act Third is probably my least favorite out of all of them. Yeah. Um, but like one thing that I think he captures really well in this is that he 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 expresses like real human emotion through this. Like he expresses it in a real human way. Because sometimes when people try to express uh, express a human emotion in a song, it's kind of, um, you know, it, it doesn't come off as too, like, it's not how we would actually react when something like that happens, right? Whereas, like, he's, like, in, like, the, in, like, the, especially in the first act, you kind of hear him, like, kind of, like, you hear, like, you, like, there's a point of pause where he's thinking, right? And it's, uh, and it's intentional. Uh, which I thought was really smart and kind of really captures real actual human emotion if they were in this situation. Um, I'm glad that you brought up that it was uh, kind of like a trilogy told like backwards because uh, yeah. that was not necessarily how I kind of picked, I, I didn't pick that up. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, uh, but I thought that, like you said, I would have to get the concept of this song is really good um and the lyricism is probably once again like top-notch like really good lyricism uh, a lot of lines that you'll definitely remember so yeah definitely a really good a really good track it's about nine minutes long because you know <laughs> it's, it's it's three different acts so it's pretty much feel like three different songs so but still yeah, really good the and shortest one yeah i believe the act was the third shortest one and then like and I don't know which one's longer, part two or part three. They both seem about even. Yeah. I like how you brought up that he, he expresses like real human emotions because you can hear that through the chorus. Like they repeat the same thing, but just kind of gives you a trip inside his mind. Yeah, which, which a lot of rappers I feel like are unable to capture, but this this guy definitely captured it really well in this, in this song. Uh, and each of the songs he captures it very well um and like the only other rapper i could think of that's captured it this well uh i think i i, I think fair Munch has done it better but the only other rapper i think has captured this emotion as well is kendrick lamar in my opinion kendrick lamar could capture human emotion really well too yeah i was gonna uh, say that yeah and uh but fair Munch definitely captures human emotion really well and you then this and all three checks uh, capture his ability to do that really well. So yeah, that's, that's a very introspective track too. Yeah. Yeah, Pharrell Watch's top launch lyricism. He's definitely in my top five. That's why I love this dude, man. He's just always bringing new ideas to the to the um table. Same with Mass Ace too. Always bringing new ideas to the table. Just his storytelling abilities and their introspectivism. Just like creating a vivid image of like what they describe and all that. So yeah, this is definitely a dope way to start off, no, to end off of the album, but there's actually two bonus tracks. So did you do Agent Orange one? Yeah, I did that. And then the Books of Judges, right? Yeah, I did that one too. All right, perfect. All right, so we're going to get to track number 14, which is the bonus track on here. This is Agent Orange produced by Sarah. This is on the UK bonus track. This is the UK bonus track, I should say. And this is another politically heavy song. 
This is taking shots at George Bush once again in the Iraq war. This is an anti-war song. And I like the beat too. It has like kind of a video game glitchy, but I don't know how to describe it, but it's very interesting. I did write down some favorite lyrics. Uh, Pissed on the motherfucking White House lawn. I threw a rock. Then I ran because I couldn't stand anymore within the gripes of a man. Y'all want to ask me who's saying these, bio these biological gases are eating my brain. It's a political grab bag to late mother earth 30 seconds after they bag dad for what it's worth. What's your identity today? You on some John F. Kennedy or Timothy McVeigh. It's not Vietnam. It's not a Vietnam song. I know women from Desert Storm who came back before the missing limbs and disease and their legs is numb chemicals twice as strong as Agent Orange. It's it's a messages in the bass drum war going off in your mind. No man is safe from, it's not a Game Boy, Xbox or PlayStation, it's Resident Evil when every president's a mason robbing Y'all fools like Dick Grayson. So I just love, I just love that comic book reference to it. So yeah, I love it. I think this is a dope ass bonus track. So like when I listened to this, it reminded me, like I feel like the beat from this would have could would have kind of fit kind of well on Dr. Dre's 2001 album. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the group Sara, which produced this, they're based in Los Angeles. Um, really? They're a group? Yeah. Yeah, they're a group. It can, it can, it, Shafiq, Hassan, uh, Taz Arnold, and Omas Keith are all the guys that um, are, those are the guys that are a part of Sara. Um, and uh, yeah, and they're based from Los Angeles, even though I believe at least one of them was born in New York, but you know, they're Los Angeles based group. Yeah. Um, and it has a very eerie sound. And uh, yeah, I feel like the beat would have really fit well on Dr. Dre's 2001 album in a way. Um, so yeah, that, that's my thoughts on that. You know, it also would have fit on 2001 when the guns draw, because that kind of has a Dre vibe to it. Something I can see Dr. Dre produce. I yeah, definitely. Like, like, like I feel like like the content matter and like just kind of how creepy it is would have fit well in two thousand one. Yeah, at least or two thousand one or a later Dre album if he ever dropped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so far we're off to a good start for the bonus track. So the last bonus track on here is track number fifteen, "Book of Judges," produced by Shiner, Massive, Sound System, and Ill Will Fulton. And this is a Best Buy bonus. So yeah, back when Best Buy was actually relevant. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's another politically heavy track and it's an anti-American establishment song. And I like the guitar beat. It really fits the tone of the album, just like that rebellious vibe because rock and roll is kind of rebellion and all that. And I just like the inclusion of that it brings to the song. And I think this is a dope song. I like how he starts off the lyrics saying, America, the ugly raped my mother, deceived my sister, separated my brother, murdered my children, hung my father. Now they want me to rock the vote. The fuck's why, why brother? Why bother? Seeing the commercials for they, they army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. That was from, um, that was a, a lyric from, um, what was that song? It was on the, it takes a nation of villain. 
Oh, it was called um, Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. So he's paying homage to that. And it goes, my mind's too sharp, my brain's too clever, my spine is too strong, ever, every line pulls to your lever. So I just thought those were deep lyrics from my favorite lyrics that stood out to me. So I think this is dope-ass inclusion for a bonus track. So this is definitely another political um, track. And overall, I'm, typically I'm not a big fan of like guitar and drum-based hip-hop, but um, this is definitely a very strong um, example of that. Um, however, uh, I would have to say that I'm not a big fan of the mixing. Once again, his voice is a little too quiet. Um, but yeah, like overall, like it's a very strong song. And one thing that kind of made me laugh was that it was a best buy added bonus track. <laughs> like it's just freaking random. Like this is really random. Um, like Best Buy, <laughs> like, uh, so that kind of like made me laugh a little bit. Um, so, but yeah, I definitely have to agree that like, I also feel like bonus tracks, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. like typically bonus tracks are like, sometimes they just kind of lack something. They feel like they're just kind of like thrown together really quickly. Gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. But these bonus tracks do not feel like that. Um, so I definitely have to give them that. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on Book of Judges. So I think when we did the Blueprint, I think these bonus tracks are better than the ones on Blueprint. I know that might be a controversial opinion, but I have to say that. I 100% agree. Just the subject matter alone, because I like the, just how like politically heavy they were. And he just brought, he just had some, so much influence from Chef Dion. He was just very, very angry on here. His lyricism really showed that too. Oh yeah, his lyricism, like like I said, his lyricism, no matter how I felt about the track, his lyricism was always super good. Yeah, he's very strong, dude. He's very proficient. This I mean, is when he was just, um this is when he was like 35 at the time. That's crazy. I wish rappers nowadays can rap 35 like that, dude. That'd be crazy, man. Yeah, like like pretty much, yeah, a lot of rappers like they have to kind of go off into obscurity at 35, where I feel like once they reach 35, they've reached kind of like a like a business mindset, I think. Yeah. He just reminds me of like Ghostface Killer and Master Ace, because they just get they just still is they stay the same through like age and stuff. Like age does not affect them. Their pin game is super strong. Same with Black Bot. I know I, I'm not a big Eminem fan, but lyrically, I think he's still strong. But, you know, I just think his beats are just dog shit, though. <laughs> but that, that's a story for another day. But, yeah. So, yeah, what do you – yeah, so that concludes our album review for all the tracks. So I want to hear your – yeah, I'm just going to let you do your closing thoughts on it. So just give me your closing thoughts, your um, rating – uh, your top five songs or if you're going to buy or burn it. So, yeah, I want to hear you say. So, pretty much throughout this whole album, you see that Pharaoh Monge is an amazing lyricist. Um, I think he's the best lyricist we've heard this season. Um, and like I said about the, the trilogy track, he expresses emotion in a really human way, uh, which I think is amazing. Um, and... 
you know, which is something that like not a lot of rappers are able to do through their platform. Um, and, you know, there's a, like you said, I believe that there's a lot of like concept songs that I think are really strong. Um, and uh, my only complaint about this album is that there are some mixing issues in my opinion. Um, and like, the, I, and also like the, sometimes it wasn't the most cohesive album um but still a very strong album so i would give it a nine out of ten um and i would just say buy it it's a really good album i would say buy it and then do you want me to say my top five songs yeah go for it so like i said i treated trilogy as like separate songs so different aspects of trilogy are in this so for five is trilogy act one for four is trilogy act two um this sneaky. I thought you were actually <laughs> gonna just combine the <laughs> and then third goes is when the gun draws. Uh second is pushed, and number one is desire. All right, good list, man. Thank you. God damn, dude. This fucking suncast sun sun kiss orange so is making me fucking gassy, man. Jesus. <laughs> Making me burp and shit. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, yeah, my closing thoughts on it. I think Fremont did not fall into the sophomore slump because the sophomore slump is basically like your, your first album is good and your second album is always like shit or some stuff like that. So, I think he didn't fall into the, the, sophomore, the sophomore slump. But I do think Eternal Affairs is a way better album, in my opinion. I think this is a different vibe to it lyrically and beat wise. So lyrically, not in a bad way. I, I mean, Pharrell Monch really grows as an MC. He's like talking about serious subjects like such as racism, love, revenge, freedom, gun violence, and politics and all that. And I think he's a he was like essentially able to be more vulnerable on this album than he was on Eternal Affairs. And he's like really opening up to his listeners through like introspectives tracks and all that and it really shows that he kind of has a he has like diversity to him like he can be a rapidy rap or he can be like very vulnerable or he can talk about serious subjects so that's what I like about him and he did not miss a his his punchlines are sharp on here like he just has witty lines like very makes a lot of pop culture references that I like and I think he I don't think he missed a step lyrically, like I said. I think the production's way, way different from its predecessor, Eternal Affairs, because Eternal Affairs is way more dark, boom bap, and unpolished. Desire is more soulful, gospel, grandiose, and very cinematic. There's only like one grimy song on here, which is what it is, which sounds like something that could be on Eternal Affairs, like I said. This is more polished, in my opinion. It is what it is, so I don't I don't really mind that. But I I do prefer him more in like grimy and dark boom bat beats. But I don't really mind when artists going outside the comfort zone and switch it up from experimenting, as long as it sounds dope. I definitely think this is an underrated album, and I think Pharaoh is an under underrated rapper, and he's definitely my top five. That's exactly why. And the the pros on this album is the production, kind of like the soulful vibe to it. It's very um, gospel heavy, just very grandiose, like I said. 
And I just like how in his lyricism, I just love how Pharrell Monch has like a wide array of vocabulary. He uses he uses so-called big words and he puts them together effortlessly and he just has witty punchlines. I just love his rhyming speed on him. He like spazzes out, bro. He's just so freaking brilliant, man. And the features too, like the singing features really carry, carry the album as well. And the cons is like towards the end, it kind of starts lacking a little bit in sound quality, not sound quality wise, but like beat wise quality. But it picked back really up pretty, pretty quickly though. The beginning was stronger and some of the production was like, eh, especially like the love songs. There's like only one eh song. The others were like the weaker songs were like more solid, but there's like one, like you should have cut that shit out. And I just love Pharrell's vocabulary. He's very intelligent. And for me, for my rating, I'll give Desire by Pharrell Monch. It gets 8.5 POs out of 10. That was a reference to um, what it is when he said C3POs. <laughs> Cheesy ass dad joke or some shit. So my top five songs on here, this is kind of hard to be honest, but number five is Push. Number four is Let's Go. Number three is When the Guns Draw. Number two is Desire. And number one is What It Is. And would I buy or burn this album? I'd buy this album if you're a fan of Pharrell Monch and you love dope lyricism. If you don't, if you like Eternal Fears rapping, I would just say stay away from this album, but I, I really think this is a dope ass album. So yeah, those are my thoughts on it. All right. Pretty good thoughts, very introspective. Um, and uh, your list, I think our lists are somewhat pretty, somewhat similar. Yeah, uh, top five. Uh, oh, yeah. You ready for my hot take? Yeah, go for it. So what's your hot take? So, like, Fairmont, as we, as, you know, we would think is, he's, he, he, I believe he identifies as, like, an underground rapper. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, like, a lot of rappers today definitely consider themselves underground rappers. Um, yeah. My question is, how do you feel about like this label of like underground rappers, like certain rappers getting labeled underground while others aren't? I mean, I don't, I don't really mind. Like for me, I like, you know me, I like underground rappers better. I just think they're more like, they're very real people, you know? I mean, a lot of the times they lie about stuff they do, but it's for entertainment value. But I think they have like this, kind of dedicated fan base to them. Like when you're, when you become like a popular rapper mainstream wise, like you have this kind of shifting fan base. Like you have like your day oneers and then you have a lot of these people that just listen to you only for like your hot singles and stuff. And they don't really give you any mind after that. So I don't really mind the, the like labels. Cause I think that's the best way to describe them, you know, to someone. Cause a lot of people you'd be like, you know, have you listened to MC so-and-so and they'd be like no I haven't like he'd be considered an underground rapper not a large array of people listen to him and then have you heard of Drake everyone knows Drake so he'd be a popular rapper so I think these are just labels to kind of differentiate the artists so I don't really mind the term underground or mainstream or popular rappers to me so yeah that's my thoughts on it so I guess for me like my main issue with like both sides of the coin of, of like mainstream mainstream and non-mainstream is that 
you know, like people who only like underground rappers, they tend to act kind of all like, like you would say, yeah, like you, I was about to say exactly that. They would say, they would act all high and mighty about the fact that, oh yeah, I only listen to underground rappers and all that. And it's like, yeah, that's cool and all, but like, you know, some underground rappers, just like some mainstream rappers are pretty shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially the SoundCloud rappers. That's like yeah. a whole different like community. Yeah, that yeah, that that's something else. I don't even know what to call that. Um it's just like that that's my problem with that is that I have no problem with the artists themselves that label themselves underground. I think that that's fine. Um I guess my main issue is just with the fans of people who is like some 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 of them, not all of them, definitely not all of them, but there's a like even a smaller group of people who only like underground. We definitely try to act like they're better than everybody else because they don't listen to the latest Kendrick Lamar album when maybe it was yeah. freaking good. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the other side <laughs> of the coin, main people who only listen to mainstream, you're not, I would not even consider them, like if you only listen to the mainstream stuff and that's it, you're not and really you're only going to listen to, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. They're not, they're, I would not consider them a real rap fan. You're not, if you're not going to, you know do a little bit of research you know if you're not gonna go deep on some deep youtube dive and into rap i mean are you really a hip-hop fan i don't think so um like if you're if you're all if like all you ever listen to is just drake and just drake all day i mean i'm not trying to knock drake yeah we're not trying to knock drake we have no problems with them as people we're just calling up just some people who Quality. only listen to them and it's just like sometimes you gotta get outside of your comfort zone and listen to some other stuff so um i'm a fan of both there's some mainstream stuff i like there's some and there's some underground stuff i like um both of them have their great value um i guess one thing i will give points towards like underground is i feel like the underground rap uh kind of pays more homage to like real rap in a way yeah. just kind of how like you know real rap was kind of just made to be um a bit underground um i mean it literally just started from like parties on the block like that's pretty much how rap started so yeah. um that's one thing i'll definitely give underground rap um but i would have to agree with you that like rappers who like self-identify themselves as underground i'm totally fine with them doing that um but it's just like fan bases of both underground and mainstream are just kind of cringy. they can get both a, yeah they're both pretty cringy and it's just like dude i just want to listen to good stuff you know yeah and i also want to bring out something else that you said like the fan base wise because i feel like not not really fan base wise but just like the whole community of underground rap because i i feel like here's the thing i, I like i like there's some mainstream app that i like but those the mainstream back then was a lot better to me because they actually just stick to the guns. They did their shit and they just happened to be mainstream, you know. But when I when it comes to mainstream rap in general, I feel like a lot of people just kind of sell their souls. They just kind of bend over to the to the record companies and corporations and they they just want they just do they're just kind of like 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 um what was the name? Fred Monch brought up about the slaves and the slave masters. Like the slave masters are the record industry. And the slaves are just like the artists under that. 
because they just kind of listen to what the slave masters say. They don't really have a say in what they want to do. It just very comes out very, very fake to me because they just want to they just want to be the best thing. Like I, I respect um, underground rappers better more because they just have like they just stick to the guns. Like they they'll rather have their humanity intact than just like I guess sell their soul to the devil. You know, I I just feel like. They just like they just keep it real, you know. I mean, there of course there's some shitty ass underground rappers, which is like mostly SoundCloud. I stay the hell away from that. <laughs> but a lot of the time, I just I just feel like they have like that cult following community. When they become famous, they kind of change and they try to they all they act like high and mighty, and they just like a lot of them kind of sell out their souls for like dollar signs and stuff, you know. So it's a very it's like, do you want to be broke? You want to be broke and be true, true to yourself, or you want to make money and sell your soul in the process. So it's kind of like picking the red or blue pill, so to speak. And like, I, like another thing I want to bring up is that like, I feel like underground is also taking on a new meaning today yeah. in the sense that like, un, like logic for some weird reason is also considered underground just because I guess his sound is kind of different. I don't even know what Didn't he make is. that suicide song? That shit was cringy, bro. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> want to commit suicide. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. That song made me want to commit suicide, man. <laughs> just to the viewers out there, uh, Jam Plant Podcast does not condone suicide. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're just fucking around, bro. We're just fucking around. But um, it's just for me. It's like I don't know if I consider him underground just because he's just so popular. I'm like, look, I'm all fine with Logic's music. I'm just saying yeah. he's at this point he's officially in the mainstream. He's not underground anymore. Yeah, it's um, kind of like oh, I like the I like the older Logic better than new. There's like different phases of different rappers. There's like the yeah. Old, the old so-and-so that was like more raw and gritty and then there's like the more new one that's more polished and kind of sells their soul out to like pop songs like there's a lot of underground rappers that kind of sold out their souls like um Kendrick Lamar he made songs with Taylor Swift he made a song with with Sam Smith I think it's called Disclosure I might be wrong I might have it backwards but yeah like, there's some good rappers that kind of sell out their souls, and I don't really like that shit. Like, a lot of the time, like, the underground rapper would have, like, a radio hit, and it gets, like, played out so long. Like, you you like it at first, but then it gets really annoying, because that's all they play from that artist. You don't really play anything better. Like, they, they focus more on singles than they do their actual deep album cuts. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree that, like, you know, I feel like once a rat, like a, a any artist from any genre, once they make it big, yeah, um, like and they have that one song that just makes them big. That song is just played out so much, and I almost feel like people forget about like the first few mixtapes that someone made. Like I feel like people don't yeah. think about Section Eighty by Kendrick Lamar too much they all they think about are his other three albums which by the way i really like his other three albums but i also like section 80 um i think we, i'm gonna maybe we'll review section 80 next season um yeah but yeah so um but yeah i feel like sometimes if an artist makes it big 
and they have a little bit of a catalog, but a lot of that catalog is not well known. People just forget about it. Like they don't know about certain songs by a certain artist. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I think I got all my thoughts out. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of make this analogy. You know how in school you have like these different essays, you have the rough draft and you have the final draft. Yeah. Like a lot of people focus on the final draft and like the, a lot of the true fans, you could say they focus on the rough drafts. Like they focus on the roots, like how the how the essay was like created and stuff. Like what elements you use, like brainstorming wise. You know, I just want to put. I that. think that's I a really good analogy. Smart. I just wanted to sound smart, so I just wanted to. Say. <laughs> well, it's a really good analogy. I think it's a really good analogy, and you are smart, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a very good analogy. I think that's a really, really good analogy. Um, like Kendrick Lamar's section 80 would be his rough draft, and you would say yeah. Kid Matt City would be his final draft. Or, or um, what was that album that he did, Damn, would be his final draft? Yeah. It's like different phases to like different essays, you know. Just talk about different things, do different things. You know? One may be better than the other. And one, you know, one may be worse than the other. Well, if you wanna if you wanna end on that note, I think I got all my thoughts out. All right. So next time you see us, we're gonna be doing. Oh, Desire is actually episode seven. All right. Yeah. So Desire is episode seven. Okay. Um. So next next season we're gonna be doing season two, episode eight. And we're gonna be diving into the realness by Cormega. So yeah, we'll see y'all next. Audio. Audio. Audio.